millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One, two, get down. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn. Welcome to the Roger Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. Where this week we have something a little bit special. Today we have someone who went from part-time hot carrier, part-time footballer, uh, to an international footballer who won the FA Cup and uh, kept the new influx of foreign stars that arrived in the Premier League in the 90s firmly on their toes. Now he's added the occupation of actor, singer, presenter and producer to the ever-grown list. We are, of course, privileged to be joined by none other than Vinnie Jones. Welcome, Vinnie. How you doing, fella? I'm all right. How's it going? I'm all right. I'm all right. You're in a hotel in New York at the minute, so how's New York uh, at the moment? I am, mate. Yeah, I am. Eating me trail mix, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm doing a new show called Law and Order, TV show called Law and Order. So I'm out here till about November. And as you know, that the um, camera puts on £10. So I'm on the trail mix <laughs> at the moment because I'm on camera tonight. I saw that you're, you're with uh, Chris Maloney, uh, who used to do the special victims unit. Because uh, I don't know why, but my missus was a fan of him years ago. But uh, he must be pretty chuffed to get going. Yeah, he's come back on organ. It's called... Uh, Law and Order, Organised Crime. They've done a season last year and it went through the roof. So this is season two and I've come in as an Albanian, an Albanian gangster, Albi Brisbu. <laughs> so there's five, it's kind of five gangs and I'm I'm like head of one of them. So uh, yeah, very hard to get work as an Englishman. So I've had to go with the accent. Mm. I've had to go Albanian to get a bit of work. <laughs> If you did a bit of accent on your on your announcement. I saw a bit of that. Have you been practising? Yeah. Yeah, well, funny enough, I uh, one of my best mates was, um, when we played golf, I was in a golf cart with him every day. He's Albanian, so I used to take the piss out of him. <laughs> um, so I thought, oh, you know what? When we got it through, I said, look, this character's not English. He's either from the Bronx or he's Albanian. I said, well, mm. I can't do the American because I start going into <laughs> Irish and... <laughs> So I, I went with the Albanian and got the role, so it was great. Do you have to concentrate so you don't slip a bit of deepest Tarfordshire in by mistake at a certain point? Yeah, a little bit of Watford slips in there. <laughs> a little bit of uh yeah, a little bit of Hertfordshire creeps in, but it's quite hard. It's dip, it's more difficult actually, because you've got to remember to do the accent and the dialogue. So uh, you know, remember your lines. So uh mm. you're either good at one or bad at the other but I, I, I'm pretty shit at both so it don't matter <laughs> well uh, it's funny because I, I mentioned it to, to my wife and she said she'll be looking out for it because she reckons Special Victims Unit went downhill 
So she, she's going to be watching well, this one. Well, I think one. ours, um, I think the organised prime that I'm on picked it up a little bit last year. So let's right. hope it does well. But he's a lovely lad, Chris Maloney. Yeah, I've, worked, I've done most of my scenes with him and uh, good lad, one of us kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'll come back on uh, some of the other stuff you've been doing, like the the big ugly and the the rise of the foot soldier, because you've been busy, to be fair. But been really busy last few, yeah, last couple of months have been nuts, really. You know. Yeah, we'll try and squeeze in a bit of football for a bit, and then we'll come back to that. Um, because I want to have a talk to you about the the good old days when uh, VAR didn't uh, didn't capture hundred percent of what was going on on the pitch and uh, kind of pulled you after every game. I want to just go a bit about your relationship with Sunderland a bit. You first came up against Sunderland in the, the late 80s. I think it was with Leeds. I think we won 1-0. Yeah. I think it was 1-0, if I remember rightly. It was a really freezing cold night, <laughs> um, which I love about Geordie Land. You're, you're, well, you're Mackers, yeah. Well, you know, I've got you know my favourite Geordies, Gazza, of course. But, <laughs> um, so I think McHartford's Sunderland, isn't he? Is he a Macker, McHartford? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Anyway, yes. Um, it was freezing and we never had no tickets. We only had like a couple of players tickets. So we only had 15 or 20 spectators there, you know, like fans. And we came in and won one. I always remember the, uh, it was one of the defining moments of winning the league that year with Leeds going there. And, and it was sleeting with snow and all that. And rain, as you are uh, accustomed to up there, you lot. Yeah. And But we came in and, yeah, it was like we went in the lion's den and pulled the Tigers' tooth out, which was pretty apt, really, because it was, you know, for me, I mean, some players shit themselves when they play in big crowds. I loved going to Newcastle and Sunderland and places like that, but bigger the crowd, the, the better it was, you know. And I, I said, what are you worried about? I'm getting all the stick. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I used to get absolutely abused. I turned around one day, West Ham, I turned around, this geezer was actually foaming at the mouth, screaming at me. And uh, I'm like, you know, what what, what I what I do, mate? <laughs> what was her name? <laughs> I don't know. But but no, I loved coming up north. I thought it was great and loved it. Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Newcastle, of course, where I went in gold at time. That was great fun. I started having a crap with the crowd. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the banter and all the rest of it. We had a bit of, we did have a bit of racism. We'd go up north, Fash would get a bit of racism. But I used to, I used to fight his battles for him, you know? Mm. I would say, don't get involved, I'll do it for you. You know, trying to stamp it out then, you know, it's a, a long, 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 ongoing battle, you know. Yeah. But I think the boys are getting there. They're, they're, you know, they've got to keep on top of it. You know, kids can't be brought up shouting at uh, different, yeah. you know, race, yeah. you know, it's, uh, any any race, you know. And yeah. I was, I mean, my first ever, uh, like, centre page at Leeds was saying, you know, I don't want to play for racists on the terraces. Yeah. I want to play for Leeds fans. We're all Leeds fans. You know, we're black, white, blue, green, pink, whatever. And uh, and it was a big stepping stone for the club. I'm yeah. quite proud of that. You know, I've all, you know, obviously my best mate was Fash. And uh, he actually texted me a couple of days ago. There was a picture from years and years ago. He goes, it's the good old days. And I went, yeah, I said, you know, <laughs> we, we, you kind of have a, and I've spoke about this about Gaza, you have a spiritual mm spiritual thing you know inside you and, and and i have that with fash i kind of have it with fash sometimes you know and oh, what's he up to you know and uh obviously i have it with gaza as well you know but no i enjoyed coming up there but it was bloody freezing i remember it was freezing cold and i think it was a night game it was a night game i'm pretty sure yeah mel sterling i think scored with a header i think zico yeah 
Zeke's yeah. scored, yeah. <laughs> but did you prefer playing at grounds like Roker Park? Was that was that kind of a better atmosphere to play in than you know some of the yeah. other stadiums? Yeah. Who cares about you know? You know, we got Ipswich Saturday. Who cares? You know, you're going to Roker Park. I mean, that's the proper people. You know, you people up there, you 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 die that you you die for your team. You know what I mean? You you supporters, and that's what I loved. You know, what I mean, you know, I'd brought up on the terraces at Watford and Tottenham. You know. Tottenham being obviously in the old first division, Watford being in the fourth and third division. So I I watched both sides of it. But the passion, you know, the passion that you guys show, you know, on the terraces, you know, I try to I always had people around me when I was watching, you know, we used to stand up then behind the behind the Vicarage Road end at Watford, and you'd always hear people, oh, he ain't trying, oh, he ain't running. So when I got on the pitch, you know, and that, you know. Always had that ringing in my ear, you know. Even if it's not going well, you still try your ass off. You know what I mean for the mm. for the fans, for the rest of the team, you know. But I watched the doc- documentary. I loved it about Sunderland. I thought that was I thought that was awesome. Really good. I really enjoyed that on Netflix. I think it was. Yeah, it was. Well, like a sing song in the pub, like anyone else. You know what it's like. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm nearly. I'm eight and a half. I ain't had a drink for about eight and a half years, but I, you know, I used all the coupons up as simple as that, but I used to love it, you know, go to Ireland and have the sing song, go to races, go to football, you know, was having a sing song one day and then someone reminded me I was, I got a game at three o'clock. <laughs> I was having a drink and a sing song as well. <laughs> well, I was going to say, but again, Sunderland for years, you, you always seem to come up against uh, Paul Bracewell or, or Kevin Ball. And it was always a battle um, when they when they came up against you for for Wimbledon or Leeds or Sheffield United or whoever it was. Yeah, they were good lads, nice lads. You know, they uh, you know, Bawley is uh, Sunderland through and through. You know, I don't know if he's still there. I saw him on the telly the yeah. other. Is he still there? Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw him on the sideline. He's not manager anymore, though, is he? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, he's kind of that. Is that is that journeyman that has you know he's got. Sunderland tattooed on his heart and he comes in and he's a relief manager and then he comes up, you know, a little bit like Mick Hartford at Luton, to be fair, you know, and would clean the toilets out or go and pick the FA Cup up, you know, what, you know, Bawley's like that. I, I had a lot of respect for Bawley. He was just an honest, tough guy, you know, and same as Bracewell. Bracewell was probably the better player out of the three of us. Could pass it well, Bracewell. But yeah, just tough tackling lads, you know, not all the nonsense in the papers and all the crap. You used to go up there and you knew you'd have a battle. Bawley didn't give a shit. I didn't give a shit. Bracewell didn't give a shit. But uh, definitely Bracewell was the better player. Didn't go, go to Everton or come from Everton or something. Yeah, he came Ball from Everton. He, he, could hardly, he could hardly move by the time he came to us. <laughs> His ankle was shot. Well, that was, you know, things like that happened. We had it with Brian Marwood at Sheffield United. We mm. were bottom of the league and, you know, we hadn't won going into Christmas and, and Bassett brought me and Brian Marwood, paid a lot of money from Arsenal and he was, he was knackered when he got to us. He didn't play a lot of games. So I think we went and got Glyn Hodges and we turned it round. I think if you look over, we had the lowest points ever at, at Christmas and mm. and uh, we turned it round. But then sort of things happen, you know, and I think with Bracewell, you know, I played against him and he was a, just a good, honest player. Do you know what I mean? Same with yeah. Most of the lads were, you know, I mean, yeah, anyway, you know, I mean, McMahon had the ump because I smashed him in front of a billion people on in the FA Cup final after he was gobbing off in the newspapers. But, you know, we're all right now. I got. No, I don't hold it. I don't hold any of that. You know, I've. You know, you yeah. smash them and away you go. You know. But was there more characters back then, though? Because it doesn't yeah. seem to be. You, you don't have those characters, especially the midfielders like you had back then. 
we can't touch no one, mate. I mean, I'd be on three life sentences. <laughs> you know, you've only got to look at, I found a video, someone sent me a video the other day of me tackling Cantona and then tackling Roy Keane in I the same that. game. I'd have got three life sentences. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Christ, well, you know. The VAR would have pulled you for what you did to Gascoigne, and that was just a laugh. Well, it weren't a laugh. At, no, it weren't a laugh at the time. I mean, at the time <laughs> it was, no, no, honest to God. I know it's, you know, it's fantastic photo and all the rest of it. And we've had great laughs about it. But at the time, yeah. it was about winning that game. You know what I mean? And yeah. once I, I, I weren't mucking around when I grabbed them. I grabbed him for real, like, <laughs> you know, like giving him a right hander. It was, it was the equivalent of that. There you go then. I, I, I've always had this impression it was just a good thought or a bit of a tickle. But there you go. No, a lot of people, a lot of people were convinced it was set up. But I mean, mm. I'd never spoke two words to him before that game. You know, because I wasn't. I hadn't even seen him or played against him. The lads, when they played up there, they came back from up there and they went, oh, my God, they've got this young lad up there, Gascoigne. This was on the Monday morning at the training ground. I said, Dad, it got, what happened? And they went, this kid's unbelievable. He's the new wonder kid. That was the players coming back. <laughs> so then we played them in the league, few, you know, a few weeks later or months later. We play them in the league and it just so happened we then played them in the FA Cup uh, a couple of weeks after that. So weird how it all happened but um they wanted me to do a man-to-man job on him and i and, and you know i did i took it you did to the extreme <laughs> exactly well i mean just just on wimbledon i mean i remember seeing um you know wimbledon come to roca park in the premier league in the mid 90s and you were absolutely battered us played us off the park one three one um i mean there was only one team going to win it it was i think peter reed on premier passion said it was like men against boys but I mean, do, do you ever did do you ever get frustrated that Wimbledon didn't get any credit for how they played? Because they were a good team. Yeah, but um, you've only got to look at where we finished in the league every year to know it's a good team. But what happened was it was sour grapes. The the good teams had to have excuses to lose to us. We were on, you know, one of their players, say like, you know, Liverpool, I think a statistic was something like John Barnes's bonuses was more to win the FA Cup, was more than our whole team in eighty-eight. So you had these statistics, you know what I mean? You're playing against Brian Robson. I'm on I'm on two hundred pound a week, and he was on twenty grand a week. Do you know what I mean? So mm. they all they, they always had to have their excuses ready. I thought a lot of it was that. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I mean, if you're an owner of a club, be honest. You lose to Wimbledon at home, the man you can't go and show your face in the boardroom. They're going to go, what? You know what happened there? You know, because it was always. They forgot we was in the same league as them for a reason because we were good enough. Not it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a cup tie. I mean, you always but I mean, talking to cup ties, you always seem to get the semi finals at cups, and you always seem to have good cup runs every year. I mean, even the one off games. Yeah, we had some good cup runs. I mean, I'll tell you what, I do remember. Was it Davenport or um, the kid Burn? Wasn't it the kid Burn who scored yeah. the new the header? When I played for Chelsea. Yeah, in the replay at Roger Park. Armstrong. No, Armstrong scores from yeah. the corner. Yeah. But that was a nightmare because I, I actually had it. I swung a right-hander at Andy Townsend because I said to him, have you got him? Because Townsend came up. I think the goalkeeper might have come up or something. So I said, have you got him? And he said, yeah. And I pointed to Armstrong. Mm. And uh, if you watch it back, Andy never, you couldn't have got the, the Sun newspaper under his feet. He didn't jump. And Armstrong <laughs> jumped and clipped it in. You know, I mean, how we never got to the final that year, I do not know. I do not know. I think we came up there. Left. Oh, less than that, I think. I think there was mm. less than that. I mean, I knocked mm. one over. Where was that? I don't know. Anyway, I think, why has he scored? I knocked one back in. He scored. But anyway, I think we won 1-0. I 
at Chelsea, and then we lost the two one. Davenport scored one, something like that, and then yeah. and then Armstrong. I I mean, that, you know, I've done no research. I just remember them. I liked playing yeah. against Armstrong. He was a he was a good lad. Yeah, because John Byrne scored later on at your place. John at Byrne Bridge. scored in nearly every round or something. I knew there was a yeah. bit of hype about everything except the final. That that uh, quarter final against Chelsea still talked about today because it was one of the biggest nights. You know that that kind of Roker Park had in its last kind of twenty years. It was. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Massive. Yeah, no, it was big, and I and I, I don't know how we lost that game. I don't know how we never got to the final that year, but you know it. That's what it is, and I still remember now saying to Townsend, screaming at him because it was so loud. I mean, I was only <laughs> four foot from him. Honestly, and you couldn't hear. Yeah. It was that loud. You couldn't hear each other from four foot away. I said, you got him, Armstrong. And he went, yeah. And as that happened, the ball was coming in. Townsend had like, oh, where is he? Oh, there he is. And by the time he reacted, Armstrong had jumped and flicked it in with his long old curly hair. Yeah. And then that was that. Good night, nurse. So that was a quiet ride home. Okay, and that was yeah. the worst thing about playing you lot. In the travel up from London, jeez! Did you never stop off at Weatherby Chippy on the on the way back down? I think we used to get the fish and chips on the coach ready for us, yeah. but I mean, long way to go when you've lost. Yeah, I'd imagine. But um, I was looking that you were you had your crystal ball out on easyodds.com and uh, putting your predictions in. That's on my Instagram. I do that. I do that every week, you know, and and yeah. kind of like a tipster. Like, you know, you remember in the old days, you'd ring 0898 or whatever it is, and you'd get all the tips, and then you could listen to the to the racing on the on the thing, and it was, you know, like a, a pound minute. a minute or something, and they'd keep you dragging on until the race came. So what I've done is, on easy odds, I've, I've, I get quite a lot of the golf, right? Um, but I give, you know, I give out what I think for the week and the, and the, and the, and the football and the golf, and the, I, had a, I had a good... Um, I know you've probably got a lot of dog owners up there and a lot of dog track mm-hmm. followers up there. I had a lovely win. I've, I just got back into the dogs after a few years, um, brought my uh, smoking prefix back. So I had a lovely winner with a dog called Smoking Bomber um, last weekend. Yeah, I'm getting in, back into the dogs a little bit more. I've got a couple of lads. Wally Downs, of course, who used to play for Wimbledon. Yeah. Me, him and a lad called uh, John Ward. The three of us are kind of getting a little syndicate back together with Derek Knight down in Brighton and getting a, another handful of dogs going. But easy odds will give you all my predictions and, you know, some good on there. <laughs> well, I mean, I was just about to say, because one of them, you've said we're going to win League One this season. You said that we remain one of the giants of football and this is the season we're going to get our mojo back. Yeah, I think this is it. I think this is it for you, mate. You know, I, I did say it. I said it not, I said it last year, not like, not like this year, last year about Leeds and they just missed out and then they done it this year. So, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a favourite of these well-supported clubs being in the top flight and you know the club you know your club I mean I'm only doing this for you because of my mate who's a mate of yours a mate of his and I said I'll come on and I do like looking after the underdogs still um and just to let you know I turned down Peter Crouch the other day on his podcast so you're you're blessed (laughs) well much appreciated no but it is all about having you know your you know, your team deserve to be up there. Football needs your team up. With the support you've got, you know, you do, you know, you do need to be up there and battling away. So, um, yeah, I think you'll get up there this year and then get, you know, get better and better and better. And, you know, we know how hard it is. You know, I follow, you know, I'm born and bred in Watford. So, obviously, I go to Watford games. But, you know, I still, you know, I've, I've still got a massive attachment to Leeds. You know, they're my, you know, they're my go-to team, you know. And then it drops off. You know, I still like seeing how 
you know, I, I still root for Sheffield United. I still root for Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, me go, me, me go to team is Leeds. Obviously, I'm quite passionate about Leeds because I loved it up there, and the, and they treated me so well. That the you know the Northerners, as I'd say, Northerner from Watford, you know, North Northford Watford uh, gap is you know is up there for me, and you all come under that kind of umbrella. But I, you know, I just love the support, and I think it should be Sunderland supporters should be reunited and reconnected in the big time you know it'd be great for everybody yeah yeah well I'll, I'll hold you to that so i'll get in touch if it if it doesn't come off we'll push for time so i just wanted to mention uh 3rd of september uh rise of the foot soldier origins um it's a prequel to the original film and uh you filmed that year in lockdown which i can't imagine being too easy to, to sort yeah, no we were just coming out yeah we're just coming out of lockdown and they got all the special permissions you know with the crew wearing masks and us wearing masks and um, they're just, they're done, they're, they're coming in. I looked it up and, it, you know, as I say, I do, you've got to kind of remember where you come from. And and the boys, everything they promised, Andy Loveday, the producer, everything he said he'd do, he'd done. And I respect that. And it's a British movie and it's got a great following, you know, with with the lads, you know, with the British lads. Um, and I looked it up, they did one, then they'd done the Marbella one and then, what intrigued me about this, it was kind of my my stories about a, a guy, Birmingham guy from um, called uh, Bernard O'Mahony. And I think they might do us after this one, a spin-off about Bernard, because, mm. you know, Bernard was involved with him. And basically he says to him, you know, if you don't get away from him, you know, you're all going to be dead. And then he went back to Birmingham doing the doors, Bernard, my character, and uh, got out of it. And then that week they got shot. The Essex boys, you know, they got, they got, uh, smashed to bits mm. with the with the shotguns in the in the uh Range Rovers. So my character lived on. But um I mean I've seen it. It looks great. I'm I'm really trying to get back for it. It's it, the premiere's Leicester Square on the third of September. Comes out in theatres and I really wanted to get back to it, but it's gonna be difficult. I mean it's not a big flight for me. It's just a matter of timing on law and order because it's such a big wheel. And you, you know, you're just a small cog in it, really. And for it all to happen, say, so, yeah, you can go for three or four days. Yeah, I mean, I would honestly, I mean, I, I flew once from Heathrow to LA and back the same day for a meeting. I mean, I had about five or six hour flight from New York to London. It's nothing, but it's just, yeah. you know, can I get that time off here? You know, there's a lot of loops to jump through. But I, I, fingers crossed, I will be at the premiere. But if not, you know, and they're all saying it's the best one. You know, if you, if you see the trailer, quite violent, which I think, you know. But the young lads like anyway, don't they? On a final note, you, you released a book last year and I've kind of no doubt it's helped hundreds, if not thousands of people kind of come to terms with, uh, you know, events events in, in their life. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. A bit of an inspiration, really, because, I mean, I, I've read it and, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's there's lots of people grateful for you putting those thoughts on paper and, and kind of putting them out there like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the hard, one of the hardest things I've done. I mean, actually narrated it myself, so you can get it on audiobook. Um and I actually narrated it, but it took so long. I just, you know, you'd do half an hour and you just bust it up and you couldn't, I couldn't get through it. So I'd, you know, one day I'd do half an hour, another day I could do three hours, you know, but um, day after day, it was, the grief was prolific. Um, and the reason, I, you know, I wanted to do it is because there's a lot of guys out there that, that you know, have got a lot of problems and, and, and mental health problems. And the trouble is, you see, the word mental health scares everyone. I, I'm not I'm not mental, I ain't this, you know. And it's the old stigma, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to say to the lads, look, all right, okay, but let's think of another word. It's not mental health. We just say, you know, you need you, you need some grief care or you need some trauma care. 
Do you see what I mean? You know, and a lot of guys, if you know, if they if they if they get divorced or for their because of them, because of their wives, whatever it is, that can be absolute trauma for them. You know, the kids, where's the money come from? They got support, the family and the kids and themselves losing somebody, your mum, your dad, a best friend. And what do I do? You know, there's so much of it out there. And it's a matter of, you know, at the right time coming out with, you know, and expressing it. And I think the first way to do it, and which I did, was to go into a room one-on-one with somebody who is trained to do it within them four walls. And it doesn't go out of them four walls and have a talk about it. And I, I mean, I, to be honest, this is kind of how I gave up drinking. I went to see him about, you know, drinking anger issues and all the rest of it. And it came back, you know, it's the drinking, you know, it triggers off problems that I've got. And that's why I was so violent, you know what I mean? Or, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, mine was deep rooted, you know, my, my parents, you know, got divorced when I, you know, 11 or 12 and all that. I mean, it's a massive trauma, which has never been dealt with. You know, you, you go through that trauma and then the parents make it all about them. Last thing they make it about is the kids. You know, you got to fend for yourself when you're 11, 12 years old. I mean, you get locked up for it now. You know what I mean? So that is what is called loving losing Tanya. But it's, you know, it's both of our message. She always wanted us to do it. You know, and Kaylee, my daughter, contributed a lot. And we've put in there some of Tanya's, Tanya's journals of when she had the heart transplant and died and went to the other side and the, and they brought her back. You know, that's in there. That was hard to do in the audio as well. But, I, you know, it's just a matter of really common sense. Um, you know, if you've got a toothache, you go to the dentist. That's what I'm saying. You know, if you think there's something there, go and see somebody and have a chat with them. You know, not your neighbour, not your sister, not your mother. Go and see somebody professional. They're, all, they're there to listen. There's some great groups out there you know, that you can just Google and say, look, I feel feel a bit of a problem here, you know, whether it's even giving up smoking, you know, I mean, because that's another thing I found, you know, I was was smoking probably four or five packs of cigars a day when I was going through the grief, you know, so my health, you know, and I was, I was drinking 40 cups of tea and I I I was eating crap, you know, and all that's got to be assessed and worked out, you know, and there's people that help you. And that's all I'm saying, lads, you know, that, you know, I swear to God, I've been there and I've been through it, you know, from from the divorce at an early age to, you know, the rows with the old man and, you know, the grief of losing your wife and everything. And what people don't know, I lost, you know, three months before that, I lost a granddaughter, you know. So it was it was the whole lot, you know, that came and I had to, I had to go and do something about it. And there's people that will help you. And some people get it and they take time. It might be two weeks, two months, two years, but you know, they'll help you to have better times than the worst times. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's not a matter of walking into a dark room and turning the light on. Sometimes it's on a dimmer switch. But I would encourage everybody to do it uh, and not take the drastic measures of suicide and things like that. 100%. I know for a, for a fact that y- your book has helped people and uh, I'm sure there's lots of grateful people. Out there. I get thousands yeah. on Instagram. I get thousands and thousands of stuff you know and i'm still going through it mate it's only just two years i mean i don't know where you know me ass from my elbow some days you know what i mean but it's it's a matter of what i've been told now and learned and taught i can kind of go whoa i'm getting i'm going off track a little bit here and i have to get on track a little bit more otherwise you know i mean just a little thing like you know i'm bouncing when i get up in the morning i'm full blast until i go to bed and i'm napping you know i was, I was 
lying on the couch at two o'clock, two half past two in the daytime, ain't like me even when I played football. And it was the grief. You know, you just couldn't control it. It's like jet lag. It was like a chronic jet lag. And it was the grief. You know, unless you talk to people and try and understand it and that and and, and get that help, you know, help, you know, you're not gonna have you know, not going to put electrodes all over your head and put you up to a machine and all that. They'll sit there and they'll chat to you. And these people are professional and they know what they're doing and they've been through it a thousand times. And a lot of them have been through what you've been through. Do you know what I mean? And that's why they're in that position. A lot of them haven't just studied it at university. A lot of people have gone through it and then put themselves in the system. So you're talking about people with first-hand knowledge, you know, which I found was fan- was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, you, you've you've helped countless number of people, and uh, I don't think you can put a kind of value on that. Uh, I just no, and I'll keep a, doing it, and I'll keep doing it, and it yeah. gives me great pride when I read an Instagram or a, or a Twitter, and they say, you know, thanks a lot, you know, I lost somebody, and you know, it's great. You chip away, and I do my little bit, and everybody else does theirs, and away we go. You know, it's just hard answering everybody sometimes. You know, you just there ain't time in the day, you know. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, on that note, it's been an absolute pleasure, Vinny. Top man. All right. All, all the best with Law and Order. I hope it all goes well. And uh, yeah, I think it starts it on first episode, thirteenth of September. But I don't know if that'll be in England first. I think it you trail behind America, don't we, over there? So, uh, but um, yeah, I'll get this done, and then I'll be back in Blighty for Christmas, probably November, December time. So. Uh, Good luck. I'll be watching the results. I'll be watching your results. I'll be at Watford and we'll see how we go. Good luck. Good luck to the fans. Top man, Vinny. See you, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers. Ta-da. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.